Hello and welcome to another Portsmouth Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark. I am Paul. Hello. Hello. How are you? We've got another guest today. They just keep dropping out of the sky. Yeah, we have got a fantastic guest today. Um, How fantastic? Well, we've talked about subjects like coaching and how much time goes in the coaching stuff like that today we have got a coach who can answer all those questions and how successful is this coach well let's ask him let's find out let's find out here we go who's our guest paul you know what the reason i'm stopping is because i'm doing the mixing at the same time and it's it's a challenge, Mark. It's like watching my mum type on a phone, honestly. Yeah. Anyway. And now, stand and cheer for your under-18s National League head coach, Tom Milner. Tom, hello. That's quite an intro. Thank you. You're welcome. You liked that, didn't you? That was a good one. Yeah. That was not bad. That was a good one. Critiquing. So, Tom, how are you? Yes, I'm good. Thank you, yourselves. Very good. Nice. Nice to have you here, sir. Thank you. Yeah, and it's good to be here and talk about basketball. So. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just going to give you a bit of an update on basketball. Um, National League wise, you know, we're just talking about it really briefly before we press record with Tom. Mark, we have got some major changes coming in the 2004 2005 season. What are they? <laughs> um, the actual setup of the league is changing. So they're reducing the number of Division Three teams. Okay. Um, sorry, Division Three teams, Division uh, Three. Uh, sections so at the moment i think there's eight parts they, they split division three into the country okay i think they're reducing that down to four i believe it's four yeah and they're going to bring back the old like i remember it when i was playing a decade ago the old, old national league four division but they're calling it the conference or the regional, regional conference com- yeah something um, on those lines. i mean we've really skimmed through the be notes because of the pod but um yeah so a lot I think a few more teams are going to get promoted in that first season to Division Two. Is that going to be like a like the NBA's got the play-in scenario kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. It's it's more about hopefully the, the goal is always going to be get promoted. So hopefully um, Daniel and the boys do it this season and get us promoted, which would be amazing to be a Div Two. Um, but if not, and we stay in Div Three, then it should be a better league. As such, the standard should be higher. So that's going to be the good thing that you know a better standard. Um, across the board which means we need better players and you know go from there well as you are an avid listener of this podcast Tom you will have known that Paul has stated we are winning the league this year good good no, I, stated I it factually I agree I, I 200% behind Paul 200% wow, I'd, love, I'd love us to win the league absolutely love it to win the league I'd love going down on a Saturday night to Ravelin Park and getting behind the team and all the fun and games that goes on with it it's, it's great I think we're all ready to go, aren't we? Oh, yeah. we're, we're all, you know, egging, you know, yeah. ready ready for the season to start. And we got that Solent Kestrel's game coming up for the Mickey Byrne trophy. Um, so, yeah. It's... We actually had that question on that. Is that going to be an annual thing? I hope so. I hope so. I don't see any reason why it can't be. Um, yeah. From my point, it's great because, you know, Mick was a legend um, in both Portsmouth and he had a lot to do with the setup of 
the old Sonant Stars team back in the day and, and what they're and obviously they've got their links to Mick as well as we have so it makes sense that we're the kind of the two bigger clubs closest to Mick's heart so yeah make it an annual event and yeah I think it should yeah. yeah and you know for whatever reason if the Keshels don't turn up we just we, we assign ourselves the trophy yeah, that year they, they forfeited so it's awesome yeah <laughs> Um, we're, we're not even five minutes in and you're already throwing your handbags out. <laughs> Blimey. Um, but some more news, Mark. I mean, I heard this um, the other day. You know, we've talking about um, Faye and Dean. Um, yeah. And she, you know, was originally from the um, the, the Ports of Youth set mm. up with Simon Coutol. And then she went and played with the Kestrels for um, quite a few years and itching college and stuff like that. Um, she is now, obviously, we were saying about she was the MVP of Division One mm. National League. She's now gone to take her talents to the London Lions in the really in the women's BBL. Wow. Leave there in Europe as well, aren't they? Are they? I think that I know that the men's team were in Europe competition last year. Oh wow! I think the women's team might have been as well. Yeah. One hundred percent on that. But yeah, so she could be playing top level European basketball wow. for them. You know, and that's the that's the level of club London Lions are. So let's just hang on that, Tom. Where she's gone through on that stages is that I want to say the ultimately the progression you'd want to see from a player. It's. It's a, it's a massive jump yeah. from, you know, playing Div 1 MVP. Yeah, you'd always assume, especially someone quite young like Faye, she'd especially think, yeah, they can jump up to play in the BBL. But to go from, you know, you'd expect them to go to maybe one of the mid-tier BBL teams before going to the big guns. But, you know, London, they won, won a lot last year. And she's gone up to the big club. And now in, in Europe and stuff like that, it's a massive jump. So a great fair play to her. Yeah, yeah, fair play to her. It's amazing. And, you know... I always, you know, believe things when they happen. But, um, you know, she she did say that she was open to coming on the pod, Mark. Bay, if you're listening, no, Bay, you are listening. So please come and have a chat with us. Tell yeah, us I about mean, that journey. That sounds awesome. Her story would be amazing. Congrats. And Total congrats. That's I'm good. sure she'll want to talk about um, some of her coaches. There's there's one in particular. Um, is it Vicky Milner? Yeah, I believe so. At Itchen. Yeah, she's an exceptional coach. You know, she keeps I mean, she's been doing the Division One women's Itchen. I mean, she's just consistently being successful. Mm. Um and you know, I think Faye's progression is just again another highlight for her. So yeah. Great news, isn't it? That's fantastic news. That's really, really good news. So well, when does that season kick off then? It's all, it's all the all same. The same time, it's all September. All September. September. Yeah. Well, late September, yeah. So, um, so Tom, going, going, moving on to, to you and your involvement in basketball. So, how did you get into basketball? Uh, so, when I was younger, I, uh, I used to play um, at National League level for Portsmouth Fire back in the day under Jason Colgan. Um, I'll be honest, we were rubbish um, in our what? age group. Yeah, we, we weren't good at all. You know, our coach was way better than us, but... We went out there and we played and played some tough, tough matches. Um, you know, uh, my biggest highlight from then, we played a team called the London, what they called London Leopards. Uh, we played a youth team who were on the league down at something called Whitechapel. And when they turned up, this team all had the London Leopards uniform, which was a BBL equivalent team at the time. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, we were sort of 
14, 15 years old, and there's these kids dunking in the game. And of course, it's nothing <laughs> that we had seen before. So we're sat back going, uh, great. But when they done it, I said, oh, when you're away game and you're coming to London in January or whenever it was, it, we're not going to host you at our Whitechapel gym. You're going to come and play in London Arena. Oh, wow. And it's going to be a warm-up match for the Leopards BBL game afterwards. And you can have free tickets to stay and watch the game afterwards. So we were like, this is awesome. Yeah. Sign me up. I'll sit yeah. on the bench. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> Do you know what? In that game, I think I started, but I think about two or three minutes, I fell, something went, and I messed my toe up, and I hobbled around for the rest of the game. Oh, no. So I literally, about a minute later, I hobbled off, and I was sat on the bench, and I just couldn't get back on. I was gutted. You know, the nicest place I've ever played in, and I injured myself in two minutes. I didn't realise, Jason, I mean, he, with the Ports of Fire, that was Men's National League, and I think they were in Division 3. Yeah, I um, believe so. I didn't realise he was doing National League for all the youth There was well. him and a guy called Jerry Thomas who was coaching as well, the youth, between the two of them. Um, yeah, and I think Jerry was more the coach for my team, uh, the cadets, and I think Jason did the juniors and the men's team, obviously. Um, but the junior programme didn't last very long. It was 18 months tops, I think. I think we kind of got... People left after our first season when we didn't win. I think we might have won one game that first season. And then all the players, oh, I've had it with this. I'm not, not playing anymore, sort of thing. And you know how it goes. Yeah. Which is why it's it's so, from a coaching, you need to know your team and get them in at the right level. And if you are going to go straight into National League, you need to make sure those boys are prepared. Yeah. That it's going to be tough. But it's it is a tough. journey, isn't yeah. it? I mean, we've, we've, uh, we, we've learned firsthand you know, working with those fun and fundamentals mm. for years to get to the point, probably I'd say maybe five, six, seven years to get to the point where we're like, right, we can have an under 14 National League and under yeah. 12. And then it's slowly built up over the last few more years that we now got men's. Yeah, and, it, and it's massive. And you can see that from, I think from my under 18 team this season, I've got about three or four who might have come along on the Sunday sessions off the top of my head oh really from back in the day you know because obviously my son Harry's in that team um, and there's a couple of guys who used to come on the old under 12 session we used to do on a Monday night who started there as well so you know they've sort of come through I know the under 16s team which my other son Charlie plays on they've got about six or seven who started coming on the old Sunday morning sessions all those years ago and that's nice for the coaches yeah. I always like in, enjoy watching the kids play when it's like I remember trying to teach you to bounce a ball and yeah. you're playing National League under 12s, under 14s. You know, I think coaches generally, you know, get a, a buzz from that. It's also, it's great for us from the whole coaching all the way through from the fundamental guys to us at the um, National League level. We're kind of seeing those guys and, and the work they're putting in on a Saturday and a Sunday morning where they're teaching them to shoot properly, teaching them to dribble, all the sort of basics of the game. And then... The, the, the boys or the girls who really want it they're coming through and then they're getting into the you know we had trials for the first time earlier on this season but they're getting into it and go actually you know what I really want to play proper basketball um, we've had some who've come in played a game at local league level and thought, oh no no no, it's, I, no, no I, I don't want basketball now I don't want to play it anymore yeah, which is fair enough but the ones who want it are the ones who go okay you know I've seen some guys who are absolute stinkers in their first game and they've come back to training the following week and gone right actually I'm going to listen more now I'm going to work harder now because I want to play that game next time and I don't want to be the guy who's letting the team down I yeah. want to be the guy who's leading it's great you know just going back to you playing with um, Jason Colgan uh, the Ports for Fire I just remembered a story um, 
because I was around, I was playing with Mick, but yeah. I was also playing um, with Jay, uh, around Jason's teams as well. Um, but I was, li- we were little, little, weren't we? Um, and he, this was, I, I, I actually saw him um, uh, about four, five weeks ago. Oh, well. Mm, a few months, yeah, and, two, three months. And I was actually <laughs> a little bit worried he was going to tell me off. <laughs> but I said to him, like, this is his first National League game as the Portsmouth Fire. It was a home game in the University St. Paul's. Yeah, and um, at one end, they've got this storage cupboard, but he asked me to climb up on top of the sto- this storage thing and film the game from there. And he goes, gave me a chair and he goes, your job is just to film the game so he can go back and watch it. And I remember at the time you had this amazing program called Dazzling Dunks and Basketball Bloopers. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they would do this like digital uh, effect on the play. And I found a button that automatically did this digital effect. So this is the first National League game he's, he's played for the under his team. And anytime someone drives in, I press this button and it just turns into digital. I thought it was amazing. I thought like literally this is dozen dunks and Basel bloopers level. Yeah. This is amazing. And uh, the next time I saw him, he well had a go at me. He really had a go at me. He was like, hello, Mr. Digital. What did you do? You ruined my first game. And he must have said it in a way that when I saw him at this wedding, I was like, hey, hey, Jason, you know, sorry, sorry about that video. Can you remember that? And he goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, all right. But um, yeah. Yeah, Jason was a, was a good coach and uh, learned a lot from him and, and, and from Mick and all the other coaches that I've been involved in. But one session that Strings and Bells will really remember is we had a game on the Saturday night for the, the men's team had a game. And at the time it was quid or something like that to come and watch the game. And when you went in to prove it, they gave you a raffle ticket. And he said to us at training session four, he said, if you come to the game, I want you to bring your raffle ticket to training the next day. And I'm like, okay, cool. So paid my pound to go in. I chucked away the raffle ticket. But I made sure that Jason saw me at the game. I said hello to him, high-fived all the team and all that, because we were quite close to the men's team back then, and it was, it was a great thing. Next day, turned up to training. Right, who's got their raffle tickets? Six or seven lads pulled out their raffle tickets. A couple of us didn't. He went, where's your raffle ticket? Didn't you come to the game last night? I come to the game. You know I was at the game. We talked. He went, yeah, I know, but I asked you to bring a raffle ticket back. Oh, oh. Well, in that case, you're not doing it. And he had us crawling up and down the court. Oh, no, fours. bear crawls. Yeah, yeah, just come on, next time you remember your ticket. So I think afterwards, one of the, one of the lads decided he's buying a book of raffle tickets. And he kept him in his bag. So if we come to the game, we've got your raffle ticket. We'd Why did he run the one. raffle ticket for? Maybe. I think it was just a ticket. And that's all he could get. Uh, okay. So I mean, it wasn't a proper, you know, ticket. Have you used that coaching method yourself? Not yet. Not yet. That's one for the back pocket, <laughs> isn't it? They haven't annoyed me that much <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yet. You bring your Portsmouth Force men's ticket to, yeah. to practice oh, or you're doing yes. suicides. Yeah. There we go. Or, or I don't know whether they're going to do it this year, but did you see it at the trials? Oh, the All stamps. the players have the stamps on the hand, so I'm not yep. sure whether they're going to do a hand stamp thing this season or not for people coming in. So it's like, right, if you do that, we're training Monday, Saturday. I don't want you to wash your hand until Monday because I still want to see that stamp. <laughs> you can't wash for two <laughs> days. Can't wash two days. Um, I mean, talk, you, you highlighted it briefly. I mean, I know that's where 
you know, I met you and your brother mm. was a Saturday morning with Mickey yeah. Burns. So, I mean, you know, just reflecting on Saturday morning, you know, when we had the curtain and you get on the other side of the curtain and stuff, yeah. like you got memories of that and Mick. Yeah, and it was always a, a massive achievement, wasn't it? That that time you got asked to step up, you know yeah. what I mean? You go along and, you know, when you first started, you were probably bouncing it with two hands and, you know, not, not playing properly and just doing it. And then, you know, you slowly picked up your handles, got better, your jump shot showed a bit more proper form um you know and, and and just play him better um in the little games at the end and and then you know one week uh, Mick actually Tom joined to go the other side and there was there's times for a couple of months sometimes we used to tween between the two and it was because he would look at it and go well, actually have I got who I've got on the good side or actually I've got 12 guys on the good side so actually I don't need anyone or the next week oh I might only have eight people on the good side so I need to pick a couple so we'd look at the that side and go, actually right yeah Tom, you come over and play on you the other side. You had to work hard to stay on the side. Yeah. yeah. And I remember Mark yeah. saying We've this. talked about the curtain. Yeah. yeah. The curtain was a thing. But it was a big deal yeah, when you got asked to move from one side to the other. It was a big deal because it was almost, a, you know, Mick acknowledging, yeah. all right, you're ready. And, yeah. then, and just to reiterate what I said before, it wasn't you would politely asked. It'd be like, what are you doing here? Go over there. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, what? Um, I think in the later days, it turned into two different courts. I think he had a lot of players and it was two courts and yes. he had the curtain and yeah. then the even better players went to the other court and then from there you'd get invited to the Monday night session. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's great, that sort of thing. We kind of do it a little different. It's more done on age groups because um, we're we've got all these teams in the National League and Local League. We want the guys to go to the right age group session for them. Uh, and it's a big thing when all of a sudden you stepped up from the 14s to the 16s, for example. And we've seen it a lot with our guys last year. We had 12 of the 15 guys in our National League squad last season, under 14s, had all moved up to under 16s this year because of their age. Um, out of those 12, I think five or six have made it to the National League squad. And the others have gone to the local league. And, and it's because at the time, I don't think they appreciate how big a step up it is from under 14s to under 16s it's a massive step because all of a sudden under 14s you're especially you're in year it's year nine you're one of the biggest in your year group you know more physically advanced you're probably faster than a lot of the other guys all of a sudden you go up to year 10 and you're playing under 16s where you've got some guys at year 11 you're playing against so these guys have got a whole year yeah. and if you're one of the youngest in the year you're going to struggle you could have two years where you've got that that gap and it's it's really tough and um, growth spurts as well Growth spurts are real things. They happen, yeah, yep. massively. Yep. And, you know, and with the trials, you also yeah. had like, I mean, I, th I think the one I focus on was the under sixteen. Was like forty six kids or something Ridiculous, like that. Ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like, I mean, again, it's a nice problem to have, but at the same time, forty six. If you're one of the youngers, the younger one in the younger year, yeah, you're going to struggle. How do you say to a kid that age? Sorry, you're not in the team. It's really difficult. I mean, we were. Because you don't want to put them off. No, 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 exactly. No, we were dealing with a lot via email because um, we didn't, it's not fair to, at the end, for me, it's not fair at the end of the trial session on the Sunday to go, right, okay, read out a list of names. Can you go stand over there? That's read the old out school. a list of names. Happy Gilmore special. Exactly. That was the, I, I, rem <laughs> I remember being in some Hampshire tryouts and um, South East England tryouts mm. and stuff like that. And literally the coach read names out and he goes, if I haven't read your name, thanks for coming. And it, yeah, that, it was ruthless. Yeah. I've seen a more savage one. They read out some names and the guys came over and they went, right, you guys go grab your stuff. 
Wow. They did so the they thought around. they thought, oh, they've called my name. I'm safe. It's like, no, I called your name. You're out. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's a bad wow. one. It's it's such a hard thing, and I think, especially with today's youth and the way things are going, you can't no. single kids out in front, especially in a, in a trial situation like that. Because, and there are different reasons why some kids make it and some kids don't. Yeah. Um, what I think sometimes is easier, or not easier where we have a relationship with some of the kids already because they've been at our club for years so we kind of know them so for those guys it's probably a little bit less pressure at the trials because the coaches have already coached them for a year already know them already seen them at trial so they already know what they can do so when they're coming to the trial for our club they know the coaches so they don't necessarily have to really really impress like a guy who's come from another club to the city yeah or come or come from the streets that come from you know i'll play down orchard park on a every day and you know i want to try and play get into league they've got to come into that trial and they've got to really impress yeah in order to go actually yeah do you know what we want to see some more of you and i know what the 16s have done this season i believe the 14s did it and i know the 18s have done it as well we've taken a few more for the summer so you know i had 25 at the under 18s i've taken 20 on for the summer and said look we're extending the trials no one's safe at the moment um and then we're going to go from there we're going to watch how you learn over the summer and i've made it my point saying if you're going on holiday let me know if you can't make a session let me know because the big thing for me is commitment i don't want to give you a spot on my team if you're not going to come to training and we've got a couple of lads who basically have turned up once since july so to me making your job easier aren't to they? me right i've got a, i've got narrow my team down to fifth from 20 to 15 your name's on that list of people who, who's not going to come. Yeah. It doesn't matter even if you are the best player on the team. We've got another lad who's who's gone on holiday for like three, four weeks. But before that, when we were doing training, he turned up to every single session. So he's told me he's on holiday, so I'm not expecting him. But actually, I'm not thinking, actually, I'll you know, he's one of the guys who, you know, I could rest or drop. You know, he's one of the guys, actually, do you know what? I know how committed he is. Yeah. And you need to keep that commitment. So there's no point trying to teach him plays if they're not there. And, and I do think the way um, the club composed themselves from the trials with the emails, I just thought it came across quite professional. Um, and if anyone wanted to talk about it, the coaches, individual coaches was were available mm. to, to people to say, this is the reasons behind yeah. that decision. So, I, if, you know, just from the outside, I, you know, I thought the club did it well. Um, I would say, and this is just my approach, is just forget all the BS with kids and just tell them as it is. Yeah. Just tell them straight. So I think, I think that's <clears throat> that's a thing that you can do, kind of, to the ones that you you don't know who don't make it to trials. Send them up. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, you're not made the national league squad or the local league squad this season. But we are offering a fun and fundamental training session on a Saturday morning that you're allowed to attend to to help improve your game, ready for next season. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the basis of the email that went out to the guys who didn't make either team. Um, the ones who made the local league, they got to say, yeah, you're training with the local league guys. This is the time. Um, and this is what we're going to do. And the guys who made the national league, and there was a few guys who said, actually, come along to the extended trials for national league. And then at some point, the coach will make that decision. But from that point, you, because you can be more personal with that player and say, right, this is the reason why. And yeah. You can put it and say, this is the reason why you've not made it because of this because of commitment like I just talked about with the other lad or because actually we think you're maybe a step behind where some of the other guys are um, you need to improve this this and this however go to the local league work your socks off for the next year 
and also from the development, especially for the guys who've just come up to under 16, so the, the year nine guys who going into year 10, is it, you've got that question, are you going to get more experience and better training with the National League squad, but maybe only getting a couple of minutes, if that, in a game at National League level? Or are you going to get better by training with the local league guys and then playing 20, 25 minutes a match when they've got their matches? You know, what's going to be better for your development? And for the younger guys in that group, most of the time it's probably going to be better for you to actually play the game. Yeah. You know, especially uh, we had a lot in our under-14s last year who was first year of National League basketball the first year of any sort of organised team basketball you know and they did a great job you know um, I don't think that our division was that strong last year we had a couple of teams who were really good and us and then the four teams I think it was that were below us weren't very good there was a couple that were very easily beatable you know big wins and it's kind of that's the development that we need to kind of help those guys to build up but then again it's another thing you've entered the National League you know if you enter in the National League you've got to expect you're going to be up against some good teams yeah, and I, th I think you are, I don't want to say putting yourself down a little bit, but I think the work that you did mm. with those players made them better players. Yeah, oh, so when I was watching your team in particular, it's like, you know what? These, these are, you know, they're pretty good kids. Yeah. You know, they, they can play. So I think, I know you said the teams, some of them might not have been as, as good, but I think rather than think of it like that yeah. I think you you were actually a, a fairly good team it, it, it was nice to be in that conversation so the year before um, when I was on assistance with Dan on the under 14 we finished fourth that year but the top two teams I think it was top two teams in that division were a real head and shoulders above everyone else I mean they beat us by sort of 60 70 points so they were beating the teams at the bottom massively now, when we played the teams at the bottom, we were getting those nice big wins that gave the lads a load of confidence and stuff like that. And we had some closer matches in the middle, in the middle of the league, but we were still getting beat by those two top teams at the top. And that's probably where basketball England can look at things and go, actually, do you know what? Those two teams were in the wrong division. Yeah. They shouldn't have been conference level. They should be in the Prem. And that's the way they've kind of got to look at it. Actually, these guys should be at the higher level. And if that was the case, and they were, which is probably the reason why we did a lot better last season, um, that we were then up there with the top teams rather than being down at the bottom. But the top teams that we played last year, we didn't get embarrassed by, which was which was the thing I was most proud of. You know, we went to went to the Kestrels, um, who won the league. They won all 14 games. Um, we went there and we lost by I think it was 30, and we only lost by 20 at home. When you look at the teams on the bottom who were having, you know, 120, 130 point losses to them, it's actually, do you know what? Yeah. We were a lot closer to these teams. I'm not a fan of that. No. I've said this before. You know, I'm not focusing on any team, but I am not a fan really? when a team beats someone by 100 points, mm. like a deficit of 100 points. I just think, what's the point? And you know what? Funnily enough, I was in my car today and I was just thinking about this. And I don't understand why B haven't set the league up. So if you've got two teams tied on points, they don't base it on the points difference between the two games between those teams. Now, I know your first thought is going to be, okay, what happens if you lost one game by two and then won the next game by two? Okay, well, think of another way. Go to maybe go to the third team and see what the difference in rather than saying we're going to add all your points up all your you know your, your point differential in basketball is it's not like football 
where you get point differential because most games are one, two, three, or nil. You don't get that many no. sort of six, seven nils in a in a football season. Do you know what I mean? You, they're all kind of fairly close-ish. And when it all adds up at the end of the season, that point differential, or sorry, goal differential, can make a massive difference. But yeah, and for basketball, where points are so easily scored and you can score 100, 120 points a game, you know, that point differential, and it does encourage the teams at the top to absolutely smash, smash the other team because they know the other teams yeah. and i'm not a fan of that no. at all i you know and i think b should change something so that those top teams haven't got a benefit of killing someone by 150 points i mean but you stole my question my question was going to be to tom how would you structure the league would you change anything with is there anything obvious i mean you guys are talking about this now it makes total sense but i think i know this is a big a big thing for them to do clean sweep you could start again yeah. right now well maybe maybe you could have a look halfway through the season so instead of having it a case of here's your we've got 11 teams 12 teams in our league so here's your 22 games that you're playing this season but obviously you play you play more once and then you play more the second time home and away but maybe after you've played everyone the first time you then quickly take a look at the league and then look at the other conference in the south because we, I think we're in the south and there's a southeast conference and then maybe have a look at it and go well actually do you know what we've got these teams at the top half of both those two leagues actually we'll move those and they can be the south top teams like a transfer yeah, halfway, and then through, halfway yeah. through and then because the teams at the bottom then okay well we're at the bottom of this league and other teams at the bottom of their league we got a chance then whereas they've just lost every game in that first round of matches and sometimes lost big they're going to be thinking when that second time King comes around yeah. that it's going to happen again. And you can see the kids get interjected. Saba did that for a couple of years. Yeah. Saba did it so you played oh, really? half a season. And then um, I think it was, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was like a East-West and it was just one division. Yeah. And then after Christmas, they went, based on your results, these are the divisions. Yeah. Um, so you could start in, say, Division 2, and after Christmas, you're in Division One because you've got a better team and stuff like that. So that was a good way to do it. I, I, I do think, for me, the fundamental thing is they need to remove that point difference. Yeah. Because it's just... For, for me personally, yeah. when I'm coaching, uh, especially towards the end of the last season, I think we played our first two games were against the top two teams. So we went and after the first two games, we were 1-0, lost two. I was, oh. And then we went on a five-game win streak. Yeah, and then we had those two top teams again. So we're like, right, okay. And we, we gave them matches. We played really hard and everything like that. But then afterwards, it's a case for me. It's okay, right, okay. Well, I know that maybe one of those teams is one that's going to give us a half-decent matchup. But the final three games of the season were against teams that we should beat easily. So for me, it was a case of, well, actually, do you know what? Do I need my three best players to play as much as I did against the top team? Because they're not learning and developing through playing easy matches, you know, and it's it's like the local league. There was a rule last season that you were allowed to take one or two National League players into the local league matches. We would use it to send our guys who weren't getting minutes. So I'd look at the guys and say, actually, do you know what? You, you and you, you haven't played for the last three games. So I want you to go and play with the local league team to get that development, to get that, that into it, you know, practice skills in a game because we're playing top teams. So I want you to go and play these guys and come back better and stronger from it. Other clubs might have been going, well, actually, do you know what? We're going to send our three best National League players to go and destroy the local league. 
And you yeah. kind of think, what's the point of that? What's that kid learning? That kid's learning that actually, you know what? I've beaten everyone at national league level. Now I'm going to drop to the local league and destroy everyone at local league level but and demoralise our clubs. So by you saying that just says to me, you're a good coach. It's, it's about development, isn't it? That's exactly. what you've got to be. It's, it's yeah. for a youth coach, you shouldn't be wins and losses. Everyone loves winning. Don't get me wrong. And I want all our teams to win as much as possible and develop. However, if you're winning because you've got one guy who's trying to do everything themselves, yeah. you're not developing your whole squad. You're no. just developing that one guy. And yeah, he, he may be great and he may have the opportunity to do really well. But you're not helping out the other 10, 12, 15 guys in your squad who actually really want to improve and play basketball. And especially, you know, if I took at the under-16 team two years ago, we had that. We won We won the conference. And at the end of the season, one of the best players, or a couple of the best players, went, oh, I'm going to go to Itching College now. So they went to Itching College, and then all of a sudden they had gone away and we ended up with four under-18 players, which is why we didn't have an under-18s team last season, because we didn't have the the infrastructure there because half the team was still under 16 so they were still there the six or seven who had moved up to under 18s that we were hoping to base the team around a couple of them left to go to Itchin the four or five who were left we couldn't get lads in to join them because they didn't want it at the time whereas now we've got those six or seven who come up from under 16s we've got a load of guys from local league and what's really good from the trials is we got guys from other local league clubs in the area as well so I've got a couple of guys who played local league for Havant last season who come along to the trials and actually you know what you got something there you yeah. know and you know there was i think there was a team in milton i think i got one or two from the milton team as well who come along and and, and played well at the trials yeah i, I think chris is the coach i think yeah, i want to say so, chris yeah, yeah. yeah i, I, I want to say he was a national league player at a certain point mm. he was a real tough physical player i know he played for mick local league as well for yeah. the smugglers um so i think him as a coach and that milton team is just i mean great if anyone's in that team yeah. I think from what I saw, um, they were right. Yeah. They were right. I mean, just talking about the trials, I'm I'm just curious from your perspective, is it difficult when you got all those kids there? I mean, yours was not as hard as no. like the ones who had forty six no, and no, thirty six no. and stuff like that, but you've still got twenty five. Yeah. Is that hard? It is. It is because you're assuming that everyone there really wants to play National League basketball. You know, that's, that's your assumption. They come up trials, you want to play. Um, and just watch them play. And it's really hard, especially with the ones that you don't know. You know, I don't know what player X is doing or how he's playing. And to try and get that kind of background from him through quick conversation, with the sideline, oh, I've interest, where did you play last season? Have you played for a team before? You know, you kind of want to know that information because you want to know what potentially you might be taking onto the team. So it, uh, is that someone who's never played organised basketball before? They're just someone who's plays down Orchard Park and a friend told them to come and play and, and we had a couple of those guys and a couple of them have made the extended trials and, and done really well from it um, but you kind of want to know right is anyone here come from another club um, and played at a good level uh, we had one guy who's come from Kestrels next season he was part of the under 16 Prem team last season that did really really well he saw the light mark <laughs> to be did you woo him did you say someone must wrong have wrong place I think just I think he said I don't know him but I, he, he comes across like a very sensible kid and just thought you know what I'm going to go from red to blue he he played under 12s for us years ago <laughs> and because we weren't a National League club at the time he went to the Kestrels because he wanted to play National League basketball and he's done really well I think he's Waterlooville based 
and he um, came home because he didn't want to go to Itchen. And Itch and uh, Kestrel's under 18s is basically Itchen College his team. So if you want to play for the Kestrel's under 18 team, you have to go to Itchen College. He lives in Waterlooville, hasn't got this transport to Long get to, trip. doesn't want to go there. He wants to stay local. And now we're here. We've got that offer of, well, actually, you can still play National League basketball and you don't have to go to Itchen College. Red so is a very negative colour, isn't it, Mark? Blue is a lot more calming. Well, it, it, does, it does indicate the word stop, usually, doesn't it? So, just saying. The sky is blue. The sky, oh, sea is blue. And you know what? I, I, I do think um, that, you know, Solent Kestrels, I don't want to, maybe monopolised is probably the word I'd say because I remember there was one young guy, um, Zion, uh, Zion Lawson. Yeah. And he went to Kestrels tryouts. Um, I was like, brilliant, you know, good luck. And when he came back, he was like, there was 80 kids there. And I was like, 80 kids? He goes, yeah, and they picked 12. It's like, wow. Wow. You got the best 80 players. They picked the best 12. Yeah. And then the rest filter out to Portsmouth or Whiteley or something like that. Um, but I, I, I do think that is changing. I'm, I'm hoping that we're now providing a decent alternative um, along this side of Southampton, especially. Yeah. You know, guys, I know there is Winchester who've got a National League set up as well. So they've got it from the other side of Southampton. But generally, anyone, Fareham, Porchester, this kind of side of Southampton now, we've got a, a decent choice now. They don't have to drive to Southampton for training if they want to play National League basketball. We've got an option for them to have now and come and try out for us as well. Like, likewise, we have big numbers at trials and it's and it is hard playing, uh, uh, trying to narrow those kids down. But it's good that there is the option of a second National League team over here and then even further, GSD and Chichester. You know, they're, they're, they're not far either. So it's picking up basketball on the South Coast is, is massively growing from where it was yeah. a few years ago where you had, I think Brighton have got a good Brighton Worthing way have got quite a quite a good setup in that sort of area. They've got a few teams that they've are been consistent for a while and, yeah. and got that. But because they've got a load of different teams that are playing local league and a load of different teams that are actually playing national league level, the kids have got somewhere and they've got that choice. Whereas in this side, probably Hampshire, apart from like you know Winchester have come on maybe a year or two, maybe three before us, and now we've come on the national league. We're now kind of actually, do you know what? There's three clubs that you can play for if you want to play national league basketball in Hampshire in the south of Hampshire so it's it's kind of making giving, giving people that choice now I've got no problem they want to choose the Kestrels want to go that's fine but oh, there, there is an option there is an option you come to Portsmouth Mark why do you have a problem I don't feel you need to drive out your city just represent your city hey you know what mm -hmm. that's the one thing I remember about Mickey yeah. Byrne he was just like yeah, you, it, you don't go outside Portsmouth he goes why why would you be playing outside Portsmouth like it, it, he drilled it into you um I'm, I'm going to hint on that, uh, lay on that a bit as well because anyone listening, and there should be millions of people listening to this, obviously, a lot of credit got to go to you guys for putting in that framework for taking kids from such a young age and giving them that opportunity to do that. So, massive credit to you guys for all the work that goes on in the background. And I know we've, you know, not to ruin all our other podcasts, which everyone should go back and listen to, but, you know, Mick did that by putting that framework in place and you could see a pathway yeah and that inspired you to want to play to want to go and train separately to want to pick a ball up and enjoy it and um a, a recent one we a recent interview we did 
someone mentioned the fact that when you get up to sort of the age of 18, you got really good access to go to sports halls, to you're at school, to, to go outside, because you've got a lot of free time and stuff. And then when you get to sort of 18 and get a bit older and maybe uni, whatever it is, you know, you've got a bit more of life hitting you. Mm. So getting all those fundamentals, all that thing at that early stage is so critical to where are you going next on your pathway. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, completely agree. They say, yeah, back in the day, Mick had the setup with the Saturday mornings that we used to run. And then, you know, as, as Paul was saying, you get invited to the Monday night or across yep. the other side, the curtain to the bigger court, you know, all that kind of growth was was great. And it kind of inspired kids who, some kids would turn up, oh, I want to try basketball. And they try it for a month. Like we have sometimes with the fund of fundamentals, they try it for a month and they go, actually, it's not for me, which is absolutely fair enough. But the ones who want it, they kind of got that and they get that bug. And we see that through the youth level. We've seen some kids come through and it's actually, you know what? I keep seeing that lad. Or, you know, I notice it through, you know, I don't go to the fun and fundamentals a lot, but when I do pop my head in and see it, it's like, oh, okay, cool. we got some guys now. You know, for when I used to help out the fun and fundamentals sort of five, six years ago when my two lads were going through that sort of thing, seeing some of the lads who were down the kind of the, the baby end at the time because there was the proper proper little tots, wasn't there, that we used to have. baby yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. and like... seeing the, oh, wow, is that... So that little kid who was down there, yeah. you know, five years ago, he's now looking to push to the under ten team, you know, and, and beyond. That's that's great. That's what it's all about. We we put those guys in there now, and then in five six years time, they're going to be the guys leading the fourteens and the sixteens, you know, and hopefully, theoretically, they should be better than our current lads because our current lads maybe start picking up the basketball at the age of twelve. You know, you pick up basketball at the age of twelve, you haven't got that five six years beforehand where you actually learn to shoot properly you know but from the age of 12 you can have a real accelerated growth and get there quickly as well but what's really good is we're going to have that standard so if you do come along at 12 years old and want to get in the club actually there's a load of really good players here so if i want to break in i've got to get even better than these guys who are already good enough yeah and, and there are some kids around around the club um in some of the ages and you just like young and you look at them go they're going to be good if they keep playing. And when I see those kids, I tend to go to the parents and just say, he's doing really well or she's doing really well. If he, they keep playing, they're going to be a really good player because you can just see they're natural. Yeah. Um, the other thing I always, I try, I try to highlight, I mean, I, I'm not coaching a national league team. Um, I'm, I just kind of help out when someone can't make it. But when I'm covering, I always say the same thing is like, if you cheat in practice, what do you think you're going to do in a game? So when they're doing a drill and they're cheating, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you cheating for? Cheat now, you're cheating practice. Like, you you, you know, you, you're doing yourself a disservice. So it's like, play now like you're going to play in a game. Run at game speed. Exactly. Because all of a sudden, when you come around to that game time, you're going to run that little bit faster. Yeah. And if you're running full power to score a layup for the first time in a month, because at training you jog to take a layup in the layup drill, you're going to miss because you're running too fast. Yeah. You know, so you've either then got to slow it down a step so it's an easy alert for you, in which case you might get blocked, or the other option is at practice, run as fast as you can and score that layup. You know, practice it. The more you practice, the better you're going to get at it. You yeah. know, practice shooting under pressure, practice all that sort of stuff. And, you know, that's what we try to try to improve, try and get their defense up. So when we go into these teams, if we are playing a team who's really good defensively, well, actually, we're really good defensively too. So we're used to scoring against good defence in practice. So scoring against you is going to be easy. And then when we go up against teams that defence isn't quite as good as ours, then that's when we pick up the nicer wins, so to yeah. speak. I mean, just going from, going back, I suppose, to 
when you first start gotten into it and I, I think anyone who's listened to all the um uh, all the pods that we're doing will have this story that's being built this historical st- story so you had um with the youth development simon coteau yes french guy and um he you know was building a national league girls team yeah. really good team a successful team yeah but there was nothing in the boys and steve davison came in that's right and was trying to build it up and that's when yeah. you came in so at the same time, Simone was doing the started the fun and fundamentals, um, which Rob and me kind of got involved in a little bit at the time, uh, and because my boys were going to that, so they wanted to go along, and we were kind of like, oh, this is really good." And at the same time, I think Steve coming along to one of the sessions and basically said, "All right, any boys who are around the age of 10, and at the time there wasn't many boys at the Sunday session at all, um, and he, he looked at the boys who were there and said, "Actually, do you five or six want to come and train on a Saturday morning?" and Harry was one of them I was like oh yeah can I go and train on a Saturday morning and he turned up and at the time I think the oldest boy there was under 14s but Harry was 10 and Harry had 3 or 4 10 year olds but Harry's always been quite tall so he was looked at as being you know when you're young and you're tall people think you're older so people thought he was 12 or 13 when he was only 10 and he played on the under 14s Saba League team at the time with Steve Davidson got involved in and um which was great. He wasn't getting a lot of minutes, but he was going up and playing the odd matches and they got to the playoffs and they did really, really well. Um, but at the time, Steve, at the time, I think we went up to a match, Steve got the date wrong and all the matches were at Allsford, um, Winchester way. So a load of us all drove up thinking we got a game and we got there and Steve went, really, really sorry, I've just found out I've got the week wrong, it's next week. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, no problem. And he sort of said in the same way, I could really do it for some help on the admin side. Is anyone who wants to give me a hand? Yeah, go on then, I'll give you a hand. So at the time, it was kind of team manager sort of role. Um, Wow, Mark. Team manager. Tom Milner, team manager. Yeah, TM. TM, TM. So at the time, it was kind of like, okay, I'll do this. That's great. I was also watching, and because obviously Harry was 10, just turning 11, and I knew the ages of about four or five of the other lads in that team. And I was watching those guys who weren't getting many minutes. And I was thinking, do you know what? There's an under-12 level at Saba as well. With those guys that we've got, we could have an all-right under-12 team next year. So I sort of said to Steve at the time, look, I'll get my coaching badges and I'll take on another 12 team. So because that's I wanted to see... took it on. Yeah. And that's when me and you went and did that coaching course in, a, in Southampton University all those years ago. And So you went to Southampton yeah, that's where knowingly. Yeah. Y- yeah. And... I, I weird little corridor court, wasn't it? forgot all about that. I mean, how long ago was that? That's got to be... Six years. Six years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you forgot about the fact you even said you that we met Tom and Rob at basketball, but we didn't. We met Tom and Rob when we used to swim Friday nights. Oh, did Disney we? swimming pool. Yes. Yes, we oh. did. God, that's going back. Yeah, there we go. Days. Elephant in the room. Wow. <laughs> and you know what? No, none of those kids were there for the hour. It was just those last 10 minutes when they brought out the floats. That's yeah. what we were all yeah. there for. Or just or the, or the black brick to throw in the pool. Yeah. Or yeah. Just, I just remember jumping, jumping in the deep end. Absolutely. There used to be, no one used to swim. Everyone used to jump off the side and just do stupid jumps into the pool. Well, it never had a shallow end, really, no, did no, it? No, it no, was no. a sort of less less chance of drowning mixed with, yeah, you're yeah. going. You can't <laughs> see the floor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just jumping. Oh, right. I completely forgot we did our coach. Yeah. Together. Yeah. So yeah, and after that, it's silly in a way. It was a memorable we were, time. We were yeah. coaching probably before that. I just know the coaching mm. 
award was to make it more official because yeah, exactly. we were taking on i think you were doing the under 12s That's and i right. was doing the under 16s i think so yeah you were, we were all starting to try and get more involved weren't we yeah and try to help out and at the time so steve was still doing his saturday morning sessions um he had a couple of weeks off and then he decided actually you know what um i don't want to continue coaching anymore which was fine he had his own decision he wanted to concentrate on playing because he was still and he still is a really good player um so he decided i'm going to move up and um do the playing and i took on the under 12s and we went to the cyber league that year um cyber local league under 12 year and um yeah we did we did okay with those boys but since then the saturday morning session kind of took on a life of its own we started off with having a group of say 10 or 12 players there and at the end of the first year we were getting 30 to 40 kids you know that saturday morning 30 to 40 kids running around to different age groups and lucky enough we had other people who would step in and help out like you would come and help out some sessions and other guys would come in and step in and help out to coach and we were just building the club but it kind of just all of a sudden the boys side started growing exploded massively didn't it? Yeah. compared to the girls side because the girls was always the side that we had and they kind of once that team finished their national league season that year just folded just just, just dissipated and then i think half the team went and played for kestrels yeah. and then that was it and then the boys really took over yeah um you know what fourth I, time I do, you mentioned them just saying i do think <laughs> it, it exploded mm. and i do think this off season it's exploded yeah. again yeah it feels like it's it went up a notch because we've suddenly got this national league and it feels like i mean especially when i was watching the trials mm. It was like, wow, another explosion. Kind of, it's it, just gone up. It again. was that day, wasn't it? If you got down yeah. there in the morning, it's right. Okay, we've got the under, under twelves for so long, and the under tens. You just watch. Bloody hell, there's loads. There's loads. You know, just so many kids coming to play. So that ends this episode of the Portsmouth Basketball Podcast. Part two of this interview will be coming out. 24 hours so tune in for that one but until then wherever you are and whenever you're listening we thank you so so much for your support until then bye bye